All right, church, if you have your Bibles, take them out and turn them to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. <clears throat> One of my favorite sounds is hearing the Bible turn. Isn't that cool? Bible pages. I love it. Getting in the Word. That's where our life is found, is in the Word of God through Christ. So, while you're turning there, you can finish this sentence with me, a little game to start us off. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Yep, you got it. If you're online, you can tune in too. You're just going to be weird shouting at the screen, all right? All right, how about this one? I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off me and... Ooh, you got that one. Some of you used that before, didn't you? Or my personal favorite, I know you are, but what am I? How many of you guys have ever said those at some point in your life? A few of you want to admit that you actually said them? Maybe you gave that advice to somebody? Are those childhood phrases and comebacks true? <laughs> no. Is it true that words are harmless, that they can't hurt us, that they don't matter, and that they just bounce off us like rubber? No, we know that's not true. We know that words matter, we know that they're powerful, and some of you here this morning are probably still haven't gotten over words that were said to you many years ago. Some of us live in the shadow of words that were said in our childhood to us by parents, teachers, for good or for bad. So we know words matter very deeply, and we also know that we speak a lot of words. In fact, did you know that the average person speaks 7,000 words a day? 7,000. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. There's like, that's a lot of words. That was five right there. There you go. 7,000 words a day. And that doesn't include what you text, what you type, what you post and comment on Facebook or social media might make it double for some of you, right? 7,000, which means as well, if you live to be 80 plus years old, you will speak over 200 million words in your life. 200 million words. That is a lot. So we know words matter, and we know that we speak a lot of them. What does God have to say about our words? Does he have anything to say about it? Oh, you bet he does. In fact, if you were to look at the book of Proverbs and try and tabulate what is the most often repeated theme in the entire book, do you know what it would be? I'll give you a hint. That's what we're talking about. Words or the tongue. Ninety plus times in the book of Proverbs, the word tongue or mouth or the words we say or the words we listen to is mentioned. More than any other topic in the book is our words. And perhaps the most important reference in all of the book of Proverbs is Proverbs 18.21. And I want, to see, I want you to see it yourself. I'm not even going to put it on the screen. I want you to look at it in your text of Scripture, Proverbs 18.21. This is a phenomenal text to memorize, a great life verse, particularly when it comes to our words. Here it is. Let's read it. Our text of the morning. There's more that we're going to read, but this is our key text. Proverbs 18.21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Let me read it again. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. 
So we're going to look at three things about the tongue that are true, that are, that are mentioned in the book of Proverbs, particularly from this specific verse. The tongue, number one, has power. Secondly, the tongue has a problem. And thirdly, the tongue has potential. The tongue has power, a problem, and great potential. And yes, I know they all start with P. I'm a pastor. It's what I do, okay? Pick a lot of words that sound the same. The tongue, first of all, has power. Now, we've all agreed that we know that that's true, but have you ever asked yourself the question, why? Why are words so powerful? Why do they hurt so much? Or why do they encourage so much? Why are our words so powerful? That's a great question to ask. And the answer is because our words have power because we are image bearers. We are image bearers. And what that means is that you and I as human beings are made in the image of God. The fact that we speak at all is a reflection of the fact that we are made in God's image. It's why animals don't speak. You might be able to teach an animal to make certain sounds, but nothing in all creation speaks and communicates like we do. We are unique. This is one of the most profound ways that we reflect and image God as mankind. And God's words are incredibly and extremely powerful. God speaks and life comes into existence. He creates something out of nothing simply from speaking. Let there be light and there was light. He's the star breather, the galaxy speaker. This is God who has immeasurable power in his words to save, to transform. The prophet Isaiah says when he's talking about the word of God that it never returns void, which means that God never, ever speaks a meaningless word, ever. And while you and I are not God, so I can't say, let there be a Chipotle burrito, and it does not happen, we are like God. We are in his image, and therefore some aspect of our words reflect him. And the reason why our words are powerful is because God has given us a powerful tongue. It's a privilege, and it's a responsibility because our words have power to speak life and death. Our words have power to give life and death. You see that right in Proverbs 18. Our words have power, first and foremost, to give life. We've just talked about this with our brother Eric, and that, that we have one of the greatest privileges that God has given to anyone in his creation, that we are the mouthpieces through which God speaks his gospel, that he uses us to speak his mission, to speak the words of Christ, to give life to the world, that people actually become new creations in Christ because we have the privilege of speaking life to them. It's what Romans 10 says, that how, how beautiful are the feet of the those who bring the good news. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We have the opportunity as believers to speak life, to tell others who Jesus is and where life is found. There is no greater life-giving word than to tell of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and that we can have life, forgiveness, purpose, hope, satisfaction, meaning, you name it. All of it is found in the cross of Jesus Christ, and we have the privilege of speaking that out loud. And not only do we have the ability to speak the most life-giving message, we have the ability to speak amazing and life-giving words all the time. Proverbs 16 says it this way, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. There is something about a kind and gracious word that 
nothing else can compare. Like when a dad says to his daughter, honey, you're beautiful. Or when a coach says to a player, keep it up, son, keep it up, kid, you're doing great. Or when a friend comes to you and says, I'm sorry I hurt you, will you please forgive me? Or when a young couple who's in love says, I love you for the first time, and they click their heels, right? And it's, oh, he said I love you, right? What a life-giving and encouraging word. What an amazing feeling to experience these words. Sadly, though, our words also have the power to give death. Because of the brokenness of our world and the sinful human condition, we have been corrupted and our tongues are not any different. The image of God has become tarnished. We are sinners, broken, beyond repair. The same words that God gave us to give life have now become words to give cursing and death. We were at a FEC convention a couple weeks ago, and Pastor Narup Alphonse shared a story that was just so compelling to me and sad. He shared about how when he was in third grade, he was at a boarding school, um, and they were smiling for a class picture, and the teacher told Narup, said, Narup, sh- shut your mouth, your, your smile's ugly. As a third grade kid, his teacher said, to close his mouth, you have an ugly smile. And Narup didn't smile again for 20 years. It's amazing how one careless, reckless word can, can impact you. I read a story recently about a woman in Los Angeles who took her own life, sadly, and all that her suicide note said was, they said. Just the power and the destructive force of words. Proverbs 12 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So our words have incredible power. That is a great truth. But the second point is so important that our words, the tongue, has a problem. The tongue has a big problem. Now, keep your finger here in Proverbs because we're going to come back to it. But turn with me to the New Testament, to the book of James. Turn with me to James chapter 3. And I want you to see this because this is one of of maybe the best chapters in the whole Bible on describing the problem of our tongues. James chapter 3, it's, if you're new to the Bible, it's all the way in the back, almost to the end of the Bible. If you're too Revelation, you're too far, it's after Hebrews. James chapter 3, I want you to see it. I want you to listen. Maybe you're familiar with this passage, maybe you're not. But whoever you are, just listen to the illustrations, the, the vivid imagery that James uses to describe our tongues. He says this in chapter 3, verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, whoever, uh, whoever, uh, wherever the pilot wants to go. Sorry. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. In other words, everything we just said, the tongue is small, but it has incredible power. He goes on. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness 
Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. So the problem of the tongue is that the tongue is untamed. The tongue is untamed. While it is incredibly powerful, our tongues, our mouths are out of control. And like a spark in a dry forest lights up the entire thing, our tongues have gotten away from us. We sing praises on Sundays and we shout or post curses on Mondays. We say I love you to our family and then we react in rage when things go wrong. We say nice things to people's faces and then we talk bad about them behind their backs. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. How do we tame our tongues? How do we get a control over this small but powerful instrument? It reminds me of a story when I was a kid. I was about nine or 10 years old, I don't remember the exact age, and uh, I was outside playing ball with my friends. And you know, like every kid, we're having fun, we're playing ball, and all of a sudden, my little annoying sister, Lindsay, comes along and she takes the ball and walks away. The audacity, right? How dare you? And every kid's like, yeah, that's wrong, right? And my justice in me is boiling up, and I'm furious because my sister wrecked our game. And so I shouted out what first came to my mind, and I said to her out loud, Lindsay, give me the beep ball. Yep, I said it, the D word. I said it. And as I said those words, and they came out of my mouth, my mom walked out the front door. <laughs> and I could see it in her eyes, like she heard every word, and then her eyes got really big, and all of a sudden my, my nice, cheerful mom became a fire-breathing dragon, you know? And she said, Matthew Douglas Trader. I didn't know her voice could get that evil, but it did. And she grabbed my ear, and she walked me inside, and she took me into her bathroom, and she, what? She washed my mouth out with soap. She put a big bar of Dove soap on my mouth, and to this day, it's Dove soap haunts me. <laughs> How many of you guys have ever had your mouth washed out with soap? Yep, okay, wow. It is not fun. It is the worst, right? I joke about that. Is that all that we need, just a little mouthwash? It might have kept me from saying a few swear words as a kid, but it didn't do much to change anything in my heart. But sadly, that's often how we try and deal with our words. I just need to stop it. I just need to work better. I need to, shame on myself. I need to stop it and do better next time. I need to try harder. I know I swear. I keep losing my temper at my kids. I just need to stop. But all of our solutions are willpower solutions. And so James says in verse 9, no, or 8, no one can tame the tongue. No human can tame it. What do we do? Well, number one, how do you tame the tongue? Realize that we don't need a mouthwash. We need a heart transplant. Realize that we don't need a mouthwash, we need a heart transplant. Jesus said it like this in the Gospels, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What comes out of my mouth is a picture or a window into what is in my heart. Proverbs 27 agrees, as water reflects the faith, face, so one's life reflects the heart. Words aren't just words. Posts aren't just posts. 
How often, though, have we excused ourselves when we say words, I didn't really mean that. I know I said it, but I didn't mean it. I was just tired or stressed or I had too much to drink. And the truth is, the fact that those words came out of your mouth showed that there's something going on in your heart that is devastatingly wrong. Yesterday I was mowing my lawn, which is fun, I like that, and I remembered one time where I was mowing my lawn and I unscrewed the cap and poured the gas in and, and you know, put the gas away and I forgot to put the gas can, the gas cap back on my lawnmower. It's always, anybody ever done that? It's, it's fun, yeah, it's a trip, let me tell you. When it was at rest, I didn't notice, right? Everything was fine. My lawnmower was good, so I got ready to turn it on, and so I fired up that engine, and all of a sudden, everything cranked, you know, just came flying out. Gas is spilling everywhere. It's getting on my shoes, and then it starts smoking because it's getting through the engine. I'm like, ah, you know, and turned it off really quick because when the heat came on, all the stuff that was inside came out. Friends, the truth is, that's how life is. A lot of times in your life when everything's good, you don't have a problem with your words. Maybe you don't have a swear problem or you don't have an issue when everything's going great. But when you smack your hand, your hand with a hammer or your boss gets frustrated at you and you're just ticked off or you don't get a lot of sleep the night before, what comes out of your mouth then? When the heat of life is elevated, what comes out of your mouth? For your tongue and mind to be tamed, we have to admit that our heart is broken, that we have heart issues. Hurt people hurt people. Sometimes we wound people in our families or in our, in our loved ones, and it's not even because we're mad at them. It's because something else is wrecking our hearts. Something else is eating us up inside, and we aren't willing to deal with it, and the people we love the most are the ones that get hurt the most. Sometimes we can wound people through reckless words and sarcasm. We'll say hurtless things as a joke and then say, oh, I'm just kidding. And you've obviously never read Proverbs 26, which says this. Proverbs 26, there it is. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death, whoo, that's an image, is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. Hmm. Because truthfully, about 10% of every joke really is the truth, and it's just a passive-aggressive way of saying it. The first step towards change is to ask Jesus to change your heart. I don't need a mouthwash. I need a heart change. We don't need to make excuses about our words, but instead bring them to Jesus. Jesus, I know I've messed up. I know I've blown up at my kids. I know I've said things that are wrong. I know I've used inappropriate words in the moment. I know I've lost my temper. I know I've said things wrong. I don't want to be this way. And so we pray like David, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Or maybe we don't even know what to pray. And so we say like Psalm 139, God, search me and know me. I don't know what's gone on with my heart, but something's not good in there. And lead me out out of that. I need you, God, to fix me. At the cross, all of our careless words have been paid for. Christ hit a giant delete button on all of our sins. So come to him and ask for forgiveness. Come to him and cleanse, be cleansed, be changed, be transformed. Friend, if you want to get a handle on your words, you need a heart transplant. And so do I. Once you get that, the second application of taming the tongue is so important. Receive and abide in the word. Receive and abide in the word. Manage what comes into your heart. 
I need the word to change my words. If my mouth speaks what my heart is full of, then I should fill my heart with the word. Let me say it again. If my mouth speaks what my heart is full of, I should, I should fill my heart with the word. Turn the person next to you and say, that makes sense. Does that make sense? If my mouth speaks what my heart is full of, then I should fill my heart with good stuff. That's why Proverbs 1.19 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want his word in my heart, so that's what comes out. Or James, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. We get rid of our words and fill up on God's words. The Spirit of God uses the word of God to change our heart and therefore to change our words. Jesus says in John 15, apart from me you can do nothing, but if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. That's why Jesus prays for us, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Your word, God, forms me and shapes me. This is why we come to church on Sundays, this is why you listen to preaching, it's why you want the word of God to be spoken over your life, because you want God's word to get into your heart and begin to form you and change you and expose you to the truth so that you can be transformed. It's why we study the Bible on our own, it's why we memorize scripture. If you have a problem with your tongue, you need to feast on the word of God. Thirdly, how to tame your tongue, guard your heart. Realize you need a heart transplant, receive and abide in the word, and then guard your heart. Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. This is often a step that we forget when we're dealing with tongue issues, is that we don't take caution with what we're coming and allowing into our life. The stuff we do, the people we're around, the stuff we watch, the things we read, does things to us. Now, I'm not trying to be that guy that says you got to watch all G-rated movies, you should never watch a TV and throw all that technology out because it's the devil. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I am saying is, do you actually pay attention to what you're watching and listening to on what it's doing to you? Do you actually guard your heart? Like we looked at last week, the media... Uh, from the article is Google making us stupid. The media has made us more like a guy on a jet ski on the surface than someone that can actually think deeply. Ask yourself, the media that you watch, is this news station, is this article that I'm reading, what is it creating in me? Is this media causing me to feel rage or hate or animosity towards others? Is that Christ's desire for me? Why does my heart feel so angry whenever I read this article or whenever I get on Twitter or Facebook? Why does my heart feel so mad? And this is particularly true in our politically trying times. I've had to moderate how much I read certain things or listen to certain things because every time I listen to them, I just get stirred up in anger. Are you guarding your heart in your media intake? And realize that your environment affects you. I've had many students, high school students and junior high students say, I know I shouldn't swear, but everyone else at school uses swear words. It's so hard to stop. That's why Proverbs 17.4 says it like this. A wicked person listens to deceitful lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. We have to choose to avoid listening to fools or avoid surrounding ourselves with foolish talk or lies or wickedness. 
And that's particularly true when it comes to gossip. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Let's all admit it. We all love a good gossip story. We all love negative information about other people. We love the drama, and it tastes good when we eat it, and yet it destroys our hearts when it goes down. That's why Proverbs says, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. So if you have people in your life, or maybe even people in this church, that come to you and are speaking a negative word about another brother or sister in this church, or a staff member, or something like that, here's a word of advice. Say, time out. You know what? Time out. I don't want to be a part of this conversation. I don't really want to talk about that person behind their back. Have you talked to them about it? Hey, why don't you and I go talk to that person, and then you can tell them to their face what you're telling me behind their back. I imagine they would stop talking at that point. Or maybe you could be a work in biblical reconciliation. The point is the tongue has power, but it has a massive problem, that it is untamed and we can't fix it. We need a new heart and the Word of God to transform the way we think and feel and act. But good news, church, that when Christ begins to transform you, when He changes you from the inside out, and when His Word is in you, we have amazing potential. The tongue has incredibly amazing potential for life. Proverbs says that you could speak life, and it says at the end of Proverbs 18, 21, and those who love it will eat of of its fruit, that it will satisfy, that it will bring joy and life to those who receive the life of the tongue. So four, there's so many things that Proverbs says about the potential of the tongue. I'll just give you four. A first major theme in Proverbs is to speak slowly. Speak slowly. Proverbs 17, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Proverbs 29, do you see someone who speaks in haste? There's more hope for a fool than for them. I speak slowly because I'm realistic about my own sinfulness. I know that typically my first reaction or my instant reaction is usually not right. And so I pause. We looked at this in our social media stuff. Before you post on social media, stop and think. Does this post glorify God? What's the purpose of this post or this picture or this comment? Why am I sharing it in the first place? Why am I saying this? Is it loving? Is it life-giving? I, am, I wonder how many of our careless words would be stopped if we just speak slower. And that leads to Proverbs 18, one of my favorite Proverbs. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. I've noticed that as a parent, so many mistakes that I make as a parent have to do with not listening to my kids. I just assume that they're guilty. I assume that I know all the facts. I assume so much of them, and I end up crushing their spirit because I didn't actually listen to their hearts. I didn't actually want to hear what they had to say. I had already made up my mind what, they thought, what I thought they needed to hear, but I've had to confess so often to them and to the Lord how I spoke too hastily. Giving an answer without truly understanding what's going on is devastating. That's one major theme in Proverbs. Another one is this, speak what builds up. Speak what builds up. Anxiety weighs the heart down, but a kind word 
cheers it up. A simple word to the Walmart clerk that's checking out your groceries, taking time to speak life and build up those who look like they're down, saying a a, a kind gesture to your waitress, encouraging your teachers, speaking a blessing to workers at various places you stop, has so much power and so much value when we speak a building up word. Proverbs 27 says, we do this best with our own friends. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. What a value it is to speak a life-giving, building-up word. One of our residents, Dan Allen, who you've, I think, just met, and uh, yeah, who's starting to come around, he was sharing in team teaching the other day, he shared about a story when he was young, and in high school, a youth pastor spoke a word that built him up, said to Dan, Dan, I see potential in you. I see potential for ministry. I could see God using you in powerful ways. And that word really stuck with him. It really built him up, and now Dan is pursuing full-time ministry and is a church-planting residence here. And I'm not going to say it was only because of that word, but I would say that word that that youth pastor spoke had a huge effect on Dan's life. And that leads to the last verse, and if you're in Every Man a Warrior book too, you know this verse, or at least the point of it. The glory of children is their father's. There is perhaps no more profound way that we build people up than as parents with our kids. Kids get their identity from the words that their parents speak over them, for good or for bad. And that's particularly true of fathers. Mothers, you speak to your kids way more than fathers. Fathers usually have lesser words with their kids, so their words are usually weighted more heavily when they do speak. A father, when he speaks, the Bible talks about the father giving a blessing to his children. There is something powerful about a father speaking blessing over his kids. I don't know exactly how it works, but I know it's true. Dads, you have a wonderful power and influence over your kids to speak life. Tell your kids that you love them. Tell your kids that you're proud of them. Tell your kids that you see who they're becoming and that how they're growing up and it it excites you. Tell your kids and speak their potential out to them. Tell them who they're becoming and what you see. This is a great way to bless your children. That could be a whole sermon, actually. The blessing of a father. A third major theme in Proverbs that we can speak life with is to speak truth, to speak the truth in love. Proverbs 24, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses like flattery. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The need for a Christian community to point out the sins of the heart is so essential. We don't need a bunch of yes men or people that like everything that we say, we need people that tell us the truth in love. People that have the willingness to speak that truth in love to our hearts because sometimes, let's be honest, we don't see or we don't hear how we actually sound. Uh, What was it? This week, my family was playing Phase 10, which is the game where everybody gets mad at each other. That's what it should be called. Fighting game. Family fight night. Let's play phase 10. Ugh, I don't know why we even play it. And, and every time we play it, it's a game, if you've never played phase 10, it's basically a game where you have to go out before someone else and sabotage their life, basically. That's the whole point of the game, to make their life miserable while you get better, right? 
And so it's a recipe for disaster. If any family's playing it and your kids are competitive at all, it just ends up in fighting and arguing. And I was just so frustrated the other day we were playing, and I'm like, I hate this. Why are we, oh, and I'm just getting mad at my kids. Like, there's like, kids, you need to be more mature. Take yourself seriously. It's just a game, whatever. Chill out. And all of a sudden, my wife just like turned to me and said, Matt, you realize you're angry, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, and, and I didn't, it didn't sit well with me at the time because I was frustrated. She was right. Because my kids were frustrated and they were angry, whatever, immature kids as they do. But I was contributing to the problem through my anger and through my rage and my frustration. And I needed my wife to speak that truth to me in that moment. Because otherwise I was just perpetuating the situation with my own words. And I've noticed as a dad that when I am slow and I don't allow my anger to control my speech, how much more effective it is with my kids. And I pray that the Lord continues to shape me in that. And I love having my wife and others in my life that can speak that truth to me. And you need that. If you don't have it, you need to find people that can speak truth to you in love. And lastly, a major theme in Proverbs is this one. Speak a timely word. Speak a timely word. Proverbs 15, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word? A timely word can make all the difference. Carissa Allen, Dan's wife, who's also one of our residents here at Crossroads, shared a story when she was in, in school, uh, in high school. She, there was a boy in their class that was in the school that was kind of awkward, that was kind of that loner that no one really talked to. He was kind of socially weird and, you know, just one of those guys. Many schools seem to have those kinds of kids. And he was alone or always alone, but Carissa just felt like the Lord was prompting her to go speak a kind word and be gracious and kind to him. So she started speaking kindly to him that week and was just trying to show him respect and love. And that young man came to her a few weeks later and said, thank you. I was, ma I was planning to commit suicide that week. You have no idea how timely words can make all the difference and how God has given us the privilege and the opportunity to speak the right word at the right time to bring someone, maybe even to save someone from death, to speak the gospel to them when they need to hear it most, when they're desperate and they need the life-giving hope of Jesus Christ. You and I have such an opportunity to be led by the Spirit, to speak the right word at the right time. And in that, we take care to not speak the wrong word at the wrong time, because that's what Proverbs 25 says. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. When someone is grieving, that's not the time to be cracking jokes or dancing with music. It's a time to be mourning and, and coming alongside someone who's hurting. You, you weep with those who weep, and we rejoice with those who rejoice, that we take the time to speak the right word at the right moment. And when we do that, what a healing effect it has. How good is a timely word? And so, what have we learned? The tongue has power. We're made in the image of God, and therefore our words have the power to give life or death. But the tongue has a massive, massive problem, that we are untamed, and the only way to fix it is by Christ changing and transforming our hearts and letting his word fill us up so that what comes out of us, like 1 Peter 4 says, that we would speak the very words of God. And the tongue has incredible potential when we do that, when we live this way, when we speak this way. We can be the life-speaking people that go out into a dark and lonely world and speak the life of God into them. So, 
And I ask you, how will you use your tongue today? You're going to probably speak 7,000 words or more. How will you use them? How will you post? How will you comment? Who will you text? What will you say? May our lives be like what Psalm 19:14 says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart glorify your name. May everything I say, everything I feel be for the glory of God. Can you imagine what your life would be like in mine if that was us? Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for the privilege of speech. Thank you for the ability to speak, that we have the opportunity to speak words out loud, that we can speak timely words and building up words and, and, and edifying words. God, you've given us that privilege. But we also know, God, that our tongues are windows into our hearts. Whenever words come out of our mouths that are inappropriate, it's a window into something wrong in our hearts. So Jesus, we don't have to be ashamed or run away from you in those moments. We simply have to come to you again and again and have you do your work of transformation. We ask for your forgiveness for our sinful words and speech, and we ask for you to transform our tongue by changing us from the inside out. And like this song we'll sing that some of us maybe feel like we wanted to change this a long time ago. Maybe we've been struggling with our words for a long time. But you've moved in us before and you can do it again. And so I ask for you to do that again in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.